Hey, this is Joe and TJ with the Schoolhouse 302, and we're here with our guest, Joe Perzicki, for an interview on our hashtag One Thing series. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thank you for joining us. Great to be here. Our hashtag One Thing series is meant to provide listeners with an interview with a great leader on a specific topic and then dive into some specific growth strategies with our five leadership questions. This hashtag One Thing series is focused on teamwork. At the Schoolhouse 302, we're always trying to get the simple so that our followers can lead better and grow faster. Thanks, Joe. We're so fortunate to have with us today, Joe Perzicki, on this episode of our Hashtag One Thing series. Before we get into the interview, let's introduce our guest. Joe Persicki was the Vice Chairman and Chief Operating Officer of Barclay Card US, a division of Barclay Card International from 2005 to 2010. Barclay Card International is the fifth largest issuer of credit cards globally. Barclay Card US is the nation's ninth largest issuer of credit cards domestically. As Chief Operating Officer, Joe was responsible for all operational aspects of the business, including customer, car, uh, customer care, bank operations, customer support, technology, marketing operations, and their supporting budgets. Prior to joining Barclays Bank, Mr. Perzicki was Executive Vice President of Chase Card Services from 2001 to 2005 and was a member of the Card Services Senior Management Team. Mr. Perzicki managed the business development segment which was responsible for signing and renewing co-brand and an affinity partners during a time when they reemerged as the leader in the co-brand industry with the signing of companies like Disney, Amazon.com, Starbucks, and Sony, to name a few. Mr. Persigi began his credit card career at MBNA in the 90s, where he was executive vice president there as well. But let's talk about what Joe did before his time in the executive office of some of the largest banks in America. After receiving his bachelor's and master's degrees from University of Delaware, Mr. Persicki went on to become the head football coach at Delaware State University and James Madison University. And with a decade of coaching experience, which includes an appointment as the first white man to be named head coach of a historically black university, Joe continues to thrive in the leadership arena. He currently serves as the chairman of the board of the Boys and Girls Club of Delaware. In 2005, Mr. Persicki was inducted into the State of Delaware Sports Hall of Fame, the State of Delaware African American Hall of Fame, and the University of Delaware Alumni Hall of Fame. In 2014, he was inducted into the Newark, New Jersey Athletics Hall of Fame and the University of Delaware's Athletics Hall of Fame. Needless to say, Joe is an expert in the field of developing and winning with incredible teams, and that's why he joins us today. Okay, Joe, now that our guests know all about you here, let's start with the topic of teamwork, something that you excel at or passionate about and successful with. As someone who has built teams both on the football field and in the boardroom, how do you develop teams that function at a high level, stay true to the vision of the company while you're doing that, and are able to maintain that team mentality throughout. We want to hear anything that you might say about teamwork for our listeners. Joe and I are ready to learn from you. Well, thank you, uh, gentlemen. It's great to be with you. And, uh, you know, I've always thought, even when I left coaching, uh, I was still a coach. And in all my years in the corporate world, 
I was always trying to bring people together and build teams. And it's not that dissimilar, whether you are in education, whether you're a corporate leader, whether you're a coach, uh, it all comes down to how do you bring people together to create a team. I've always believed in the old African proverb that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So everything I've learned about teamwork is how do we get people to come together? And more importantly, how do we get them to go together so they can achieve more? And uh, in, in all my dealings on the subject, I've spent a lot of time with real good thought leaders on teamwork and leadership. And uh, the kind of foundation of building a team is building a foundation of trust. And I think it becomes essential if you're going to lead in this day and age, you figure out, how do I build trust among my team? And uh, there's a wonderful little book Pat Lencioni wrote called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And the, the very foundation of Lencioni's uh, hypothetical is that you don't have any trust, you don't have a team, that you must build trust. So the first thing I did was spend a lot of time figuring out how do really great leaders uh, build trust amongst their team? And I can't cover all those today, but it is, it is very important to creating teams that are highly functional to, to have an environment of trust. The other thing that's essential to building great teams is to build great teams, you have to attract great people. Great people want to work in an environment where they're stimulated, where they're excited about coming to work every day. And so the great leader has to figure out, uh, how can I create an environment where I can attract great people, where I can inspire people and motivate people? So uh, I've always looked at trying to create an environment where people really want to be a part of what we're doing. They want to be a part of the team. And... Uh, I did that and like I said, every company I've been with and every team I ever coached, and it's, uh, it's something I'm pretty proud of, that we always had cohesive, resilient teams that were all trying to achieve the same thing together. That's fantastic, Joe. Our listeners will tr truly benefit from that. One follow-up, when, when you talk about trust, and that's something TJ and I truly talk about, believe in, and want to uh, develop you know, with, with those that we lead and something we discuss often, are there any specific strategies that you use to develop trust and get people to trust one another, especially in environments where that's hard to do? Well, you know, I, uh, in 1981, I was the first white football coach at a historically black school in a hundred year history of historically black colleges and universities. There were pickets and protests uh, the day I took the job. I couldn't even get on campus. Uh, the protests were so bad. I had 17 scholarship players quit the day I took the job. And I realized that this was going to be a monumental task. I called my first team meeting. Only three players showed up. I understood. There was a lot of, on all HBCU campuses, there was a lot of concern about this development. Giving a leadership position at a historically black school to a non-African American uh, was something that people were concerned about, and I knew that. But I sent out a letter to my team and said, look, are you going to have to beat the next team meeting? I just want to coach a football team. 
uh, 100 people showed up. And uh, I said to the players, I didn't have any handouts. I didn't have any playbooks. I didn't talk about football. I told them, look, I, I'm never going to lie or misrepresent myself to you. And I'm going to ask in return that you never lie or misrepresent yourself to me. Because if we can trust that we're going to be straight and honest with one another, we can build something here. And you may not like the plays I call. You might not love the way I walk or talk. But you know something? Uh, if you know I'm honest and direct with you, you're going to trust me. And once we start trusting one another, anything becomes possible. So I've always said that building trust is kind of a common sense exercise. You have to be straight with people. Leaders, especially in corporate America, who think they're being clever by, you know, holding things back from people within their organization or trying to create an environment where there's blame instead of analysis just gets people to distrust the leader. And when they distrust that leader, they're never going to, you're never going to be able to bring a team together. So uh, I've always followed these basic principles about honesty, being direct, uh, being transparent as I can. And I have found that uh, in the end, you get a lot more respect that way. And in an environment of trust, you really allow growth to, to take place. That's incredible, Joe. That's inc fascinating to think uh, the uphill battle you face, but to have faith in yourself and then ultimately the players, the community. Um, that just you know speaks volumes. Let's move on to our uh, five hashtag one thing series leadership question. So the first question um, for the five is who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where can we find them? Sure. So I, I have spent a lot of my time in my latter years in development and development of others. And uh, one of the influences in my life, Dr. Jed Hughes, he's a senior vice chairman at Corn Ferry. Has, uh, has helped me with a lot of insights. He's not someone I think you could follow, but your, your listeners could, they would be uh, well served to follow two people I'm gonna give you. I, I happen to be a big fan of Pat Lencioni because I have hired his group, the Table Group, twice. He's written 10 books on kind of corporate leadership. Uh, I told you earlier, the five dysfunctions of a team is one. Uh, but you can you can follow Pat. He's he's really a one of the brightest men I've been around and a great leader in this area of development and bringing teams together. But Dr. Jed Hughes at Corn Ferry recommended I go to a TED Talk, and your groups can just that TED Talk still is on YouTube today. It's a woman. Uh, her name is Rosalind Torres. Uh, she's the uh, she's with the Boston Consulting Group, and she heads up their CEO practice. And what Ms. Torres did, she took a year off from work. She went all around the country looking at development programs in the finest corporations that she could get into where they'd allow her in. And after one year, she went back and took up her practice at BCG. And she said she found out that most development programs didn't work today. They were built in, a, in an era where uh, it was more of manufacturing and labor environment, and they weren't relevant for the 21st century. In a, in a day when it's the global digital technology, the advancements of software, artificial in, uh, intelligence, and change occurring at warp speed, 
She said we need, she concluded that a new leadership paradigm is required in a new world. And I'm not going to take you through the whole TED talk. Your listeners can do that. But she basically said they look for three things in, in great leaders. And the number one thing is the ability to anticipate change because things are happening so quickly. Who can look around the corner? Who can prepare uh, to see their, their business models being disintermediated? And what are they doing about it? So I thought that was fascinating. The second was the old traditional, you and I have been taught to build a network, right? Within, within the, uh, whatever the occupation is that we're pursuing. She said the days of the old boy network are done. Today, you have to create a new diversity network, and it should be people from different professions, different competencies, different backgrounds, different countries, different industries, because the future is all in about creating new solutions and new ideas and a new way of thinking. And you're not going to get that in the same you know, little small network that you've had in the past. You've got to reach out and create a new one. And the last bit of advice she gives, which is really interesting to me, is uh, are you courageous enough to abandon the practices that you've been doing for the last 20 years? You have the courage and the emotional stamina to go with new ideas and take a leap into the future in your, in your profession. So uh, I'd highly recommend uh, seeking out those two people, and I think your listeners will get a lot from it. Thank you, Joe. That was fantastic. We'll also link back to those folks and uh, whatever resources they have available. We're big fans of Patrick Lencioni as well and um, the Rosalind Torres. That's a great uh, piece for our audience. Again, we'll link to those so that people can get to their material. Our next great. question is, um, what's the one thing that people should try to do, in your opinion, on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? So this is just me. Uh, this is what I try to do. And I don't know if it's one thing people should do, but I think it's one thing that people should always be cognizant of. And uh, look, we all go into jobs every day. And sometimes those jobs, you know, can become repetitious. And what I've always said to everybody that's worked for me is you're, you're, what you have to do, the personal inventory, the one key ingredient that you have to check yourself every day is am I still passionate about what I'm doing? Am I still passionate about the people I'm working with? You know, I, am I still passionate about what the purpose I'm serving? Because I've told people when you lose passion, you're no longer leading, you're no longer creating. And uh, I've been a big believer, the, the people I've been around, and it's not always an outward kind of passion that's demonstrated by a, a coach jumping up and down and yelling at people. I've been around some passionate people who uh, have this quiet passion. They just burn, burn strongly, but more slowly. So the idea is you got into what you're doing for a reason. You know, if you got into education, you probably got there for a reason. You probably wanted to make a difference. Uh, you have to, especially as you stay in your profession a long period of time, you have to check yourself every day and say, Am I still in this for the right reasons? Do I still have great passion about it? Uh, you know, reinforce your passion. Don't lose it because I think if you lose it, uh, it's better off to move on than to lose passion of where you are and what you're doing every day. Thank you, Joe. 
that when you talk about passion, just the daily grind can start to wear you out. So I, I think that really hits home with a lot of people. And I love how you said, just check yourself. Where are you mentally? Um, and, and your organization, are you ready to lead? Let's move on. You've had a storied career in different environments and in different worlds, if you will. What's one thing that you would want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things I've wanted to do for a long, long time, and I've not been able to do it, is uh, I have wanted to write a book about my experience uh, of 1981 to 1984 at Delaware State College, then now university, where a group of white people and black people came together and despite everything around them, united and created a program that was successful for well over a decade. Uh, I left after four years and my defense coordinator, Bill Collick, took the program over and had incredible success. Bill had both white players and black players. We had the same. We had an integrated staff. The reason that I would love to be able to tell the story in a way not about football. As I look at the landscape today in this country, there really is a racial divide. I've been alive a long time. I remember back in the 60s when we addressed the racial divide and here we are 50 years later and I still feel that we haven't made the kind of progress that we should have. And uh, it would be, if there's one thing I could do, I would like to be able to tell a story that has some insight how on we as Americans can become a united society, understand our differences better than we do today. So I set out and uh, I reached out to an old friend, Michael Castano, who's a kind of legend out in Seattle, Washington. He's an author and a radio personality. They call him the gas man. He's written a bunch of books. And we have now collaborated and we're trying over the next six months uh, to write a book that's not a, it's obviously about our success from 81 to 84, but it's not a book about uh, sports. It's more a book about how, how did we for so long create a great environment where people could grow and come together and where we had absolutely no, uh, you know, racial issues in all the years we were there. I speak for me in the bill and we'd like to make Bill Colick a part of that book. So, so for me, that's the one thing I'd like to do. I hope I can. And uh, my brother, who's the mayor of Wilmington uh, and, and deals with a, you know, a city, a, a somewhat divided city has always said to me, Hey, if, if you're going to write a book, make sure you have something to say. So that's what I'm working on. I'm working on trying to figure out is something that I can say, can it add to the dialogue that is so needed in our country today, which seems at times very divided to me. That's fantastic, Joe. I can't wait to read that book. Um, it really is needed. It's something really important. And anything that anybody can read in that book that could bring us together better uh, will be a great thing for this country. Let's um, take the fourth one thing series question here, which is what's the one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others can replicate? You know, I, I think that the one thing that I try to do is 
I try, there's, there's, what's key, I think, is you grow up a certain era in, with certain practices and certain strong opinions about how things work. Uh, what I try to do is read an awful lot about things in this field that I'm in, in, in terms of development and leadership now, and get other people's opinions, to hear what other people have to say. I'm on the board of Leadership Delaware, which is a wonderful organization. And one of the things I'm able to do is, and I speak there every year, and I speak about the very things that we three are talking about today. But what's great is I have a sounding board of the fellows who are there. And every year is a new class of very special people come in. And when I bounce these things off them, I always find out from them what's relevant to them in their lives and what isn't. So I think life is just discovery. You can't give up uh, trying to learn more. But key for me, now that there's a generational difference, is trying to reach out to younger people to see if what I am advancing in terms of leadership and team building is still relevant in the world they live in. So uh, very important to not get just stuck in your own uh, kind of circle of friends and influencers but to get outside your own circle of friends and influencers and make sure you're open to uh, others' opinions on what you're expressing. Is it still hold weight for them? Excellent, Joe. I love that quote. Life is about discovery. That's a fantastic quote. So let's move on to our final question. What's the one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? So this is a uh, this is a tough one, but I I think again it's a little bit about the profession I came from. For me, uh, I always thought that losing people who lost or people who got fired or they were failures to me. I remember I I had to succeed at everything, and if I didn't, uh, I was an utter failure, and. Uh, Nelson Mandela said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And what I've learned after a number of setbacks in my own you know, personal career is that you will have failures in your life. They can make you so much stronger. I want to remind you that I was a football coach for most of my life and wound up being the COO vice chairman of one of the largest credit card companies in the world. Uh, Barclays had 160,000 people at one time when I worked there. Uh, if I had given up after things didn't work out on my journey as a coach, you know, what would have happened to me? If I had embraced the fact that, you know, losing is fatal and losing is final, I never would have developed into the human being I've developed into. And neither would Nelson Mandela, who was in jail for 27 years before he came out and freed his, his country. Uh, and so I loved his words. I never lose. I either win or I learn. And I remember the greatest basketball player of all time got cut his sophomore year from his JV team. So Jordan didn't turn around and say, well, that's not going to work. I'm going to be a golfer. No, he doubled down on what he learned when he did lose and became the greatest basketball player of all time. So I used to think that losing was fatal. I used to think that losing was final. And now I just think losing is what you make of it. It is truly what you make of it. If you want to learn from it, 
you'll become a better and a more productive individual. There's no doubt in my mind about that. That's a wonderful answer, Joe. Fantastic for our listeners to hear that for sure. Uh, anybody that gets a hold of this podcast has a lot to learn from your responses to our hashtag one thing questions along with what you've said today about leadership. Very exciting stuff. Um, we always say that leadership is complex, but it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. So Joe, as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you would like to add today for our listeners? No, no, I, I, like I said, I, my, my feeling on this is, is on development, whether it be for others or for ourselves, it's, it's a daily journey. You know, it's, it's a daily journey. I, I'm still, still at it. Uh, I'm going to be 71 years old and I still feel like I'm in the process of discovery, you know, every day. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how I can make this experience uh, that, that we all have on this great planet, a worthwhile one. So just realize it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You got to get up every day and you got to do it. That's awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much for being with us. There you have it, Joe Persicki. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our hashtag one thing series on teamwork with Joe Prasicki. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Joe. Thank you.